Strong values and strong opinions. The Mike Broomhead Show, KTAR News, 92.3 FM, and the KTAR News app. Hey, thanks for being here. Do you know a high school student with great character? We want to hear about them and how they make an impact in the community. Just text the word STUDENT to 620-620 and share their story. What's in it for them? A $10,000 scholarship from Parker & Sons. Text the word STUDENT to 620-620. That's a great scholarship. Um... There has been, uh, is interestingly enough, what we have learned about what's happening in our schools recently has caused this debate, which I think is a great debate. Um, this is not a new fight. I began talking about what's happening in schools behind the scenes, not teachers, not educators, not education, the business and industry of education. Been talking about this since the Red for Ed movement came to light in Arizona. I have been talking about the business and the industry of education. If you don't know that education is an industry, go and look up the salaries of union leaders in education. NEA, um, the AFT, the American Federation of Teachers. It is an industry. And there are many people for them. This is about the industry, it's not about the kids anymore. And uh, there's no doubt about that. There are, there are some people, and I would say the vast majority of teachers, are so dedicated to their craft, so dedicated to their calling, that their vocation, they give their life freely. and They just pour their heart into the work they do. It's not for the money, and they are dramatically underpaid in many, in many cases. Not always, but in many cases. I'm not talking about those teachers. I'm not talking about those school board members. I'm talking about those with the industry agenda. So now, since people are starting to pay attention to that, we're now having this conversation about having cameras in the classroom. And uh, I want you to hear um, just a couple of things over the last few days. So there was a big rift that happened. And what happened was Matt Salmon um, is running for governor. And he came out against a proposal for cameras in the classroom and uh, came up with an alternate solution of saying that we should we should be fixing this with parental involvement. Carrie Lake was the candidate, is the candidate that is that is saying we need cameras in the classroom. And and in all fairness, uh, Carrie Lake has been endorsed by about five of the moms in the Scottsdale Unified School District, the Scottsdale District, where that super, I'm sorry, the uh, board president of of the school board, former board president, and his father were doxing parents. Five of those parents have endorsed Carrie Lake for governor. Carrie Lake's proposal was cameras in the classroom. Both Matt Salmon and Karen Taylor Robeson, two other candidates, have said that's a bad idea. The governor of Arizona said it's a bad idea that we should be having parental involvement, but we don't want to turn cameras over to the bureaucrats and give them even more power filming kids in the classroom and the fallout that could happen there. So I'm setting the stage. So there is a guy named Connor Clegg and... um, and Connor Clegg, I don't know him. I have no axe to grind with him personally. Don't know him. But he put out a tweet that I thought was wrong. And the tweet said that Matt Salmon doesn't care about special needs kids getting raped. And I just thought that was, first of all, a huge leap that because I don't agree cameras should be in the classroom, I don't care about these things happening. 
But I also thought that in the political discourse that's out there, I thought it was a horrible thing to say about anyone. I would have defended Carrie Lake if someone said it about her or Mrs. Robeson or any of them. Um, it happened to be Matt Salmon. So I asked Matt Salmon to come on the show, and uh, this was part of what Matt had to say about that tweet. I think you have to campaign on issues uh, anytime you have to resort to this kind of uh, disgusting kind of comments. He said I was okay with uh, special needs kids getting raped. Uh, I don't know anybody out there that's okay with something that disgusting. That uh, signifies you're some kind of a monster. Okay, so that was his response. So I invited Carrie Lake on, and, and I'll, let me say one of the things that I, I agree with Carrie on um, is that she said we should be talking about issues. I absolutely agree with that. But when something this inflammatory is said, it becomes an issue. So we addressed it, and then we moved on. But I want you to hear a little bit of of, uh, Carrie Lake's response to the tweet. Matt Salmon is opposed to cameras in the classroom. If cameras were in the classroom in Scottsdale, that special needs student would not have been raped. Matt Salmon is all for cameras at these traffic stops. He made a fortune on these traffic gotcha cams that we get little tickets in the mail for. But when it comes to our children in school, he doesn't want them protected. And remember, we had cameras in the classroom with these Zoom classes that the teachers union pushed and our current governor pushed when he sent our kids home and put them in front of a computer day in and day out. So we've already had this. And that's when we figured out the kind of garbage they were teaching our children, this terrible curriculum. And all we want is accountability. And I absolutely agree with the accountability part of it. Um, and whether or not I agree with this policy, that's for those candidates to argue about right now. But that the response there and, and the one uh, difference, the one uh, disagreement I'll have with what Kerry Lake said there is we don't know for sure that that kid would not have been raped by that that former school uh, employee. Uh, it may not have happened in the classroom. But that doesn't mean it wasn't going to happen. Predators, we need to get rid of predators. But is there need for more oversight in the classroom? Absolutely. I think we all agree on that. Uh, So we had um, uh, Karen Taylor Robeson on today as well. And and Mrs. Robeson also had come out with a position saying that cameras in the classroom are the wrong thing. So her stance is this. If you're a conservative who's rightly skeptical of government and big tech, why would you trust either to be in possession of thousands of hours of video footage of our kids? I mean, that's what they do in China. That's what they do in North Korea. And the last thing I want to do is put in the hands of of the bullies in the education system cameras to surveil our kids. The answer is more transparency and more choice in education. If every family could choose what school to send their kids to, that competition would eliminate some of the stuff that is going on now. And I have a lot of agreements with what uh, what Karen Taylor Robeson had to say about this. And uh, I am a huge advocate for expanding the ESA program that not only should parents be able to move their children, but move the money, the tax dollars attached to their children anywhere they want to take their children. They should be able to do that. And they should be able to do that freely because A, it's their child and B, it's their tax dollars. And if the tax dollars were taken out of the school districts, I guarantee you the districts would be listening to parents and catering to the parents a lot more. We all understand that competition breeds excellence. You know, one of my favorite things to talk about here in town is the restaurant industry. I love going to the restaurants in this town. Uh, Phoenix or the Valley, I should say, Phoenix, Scottsdale and all over town has become kind of a foodie place. And the reason why is competition is fierce. There are some restaurants I frequent quite often and I think they are terrific. And the reason why they remain is atmosphere service and quality of food in this town 
If you are not excellent at all three, you have no chance of survival. And the reason why is there has been a standard of excellence that has been built up, bred by competition. Just in the, I live in the Arcadia area. Just within a few miles of where I live is the porch where I was just at, uh, Chelsea's Kitchen, Hillstone, the Henry. Um, I know I'm going to leave out a lot of places. When you go into the Biltmore, there are great restaurants in the Biltmore. So you go around, and there are fantastic restaurants to eat at. Um, uh, the Crab Shack, Angry Crab Shack is right in my neighborhood as well. Um, they've got great pizza at Streets of New York. You've got Steak 44. I mean, I'm, the more I'm thinking now, the hungrier I'm getting. But you, you get my point. And when you have that kind of excellence, Buck and Ryder, who I absolutely love, Buck and Ryder, and their, their fresh, fresh seafood. And when you have that kind of competition, you either maintain excellence or you're out gone. And if we could do that in the education system, it would breed excellence because competition breeds excellence. So it's not it's not about hurting kids. It's not about damaging districts. It's about forcing people that are in administrations in education to be excellent, forcing them to deal with parents and create curriculum that the parents want and breed excellence. And that's not what we have right now. Coming up, we do this every, well, Monday through Friday. We do it at 1120. It's a way to catch you up on the biggest newsmakers. And there have been a ton of newsmakers today. It's called Did You Hear This? We'll get to it in a moment. Strong values and strong opinions. The Mike Broomhead Show. KTAR News, 92.3 FM and the KTAR News app. All right, all the biggest news stories of the day wrapped up in one little segment and a nice little bow. Did you hear this? Did you hear this? Broomhead's reaction to the hottest news stories. Yeah, fireworks early on today on the Mike Broomhead Show when you had Carrie Lake, Republican candidate for governor, on and asked her if she regrets retweeting that tweet about Matt Salmon uh, being okay with special needs kids getting raped at school because he opposes cameras in the classroom. And boy, you talk about GOP on GOP crime here. This is a made-up drama saga by melodramatic Matt. I mean, seriously, this is a non-issue. And the fact that we're on, we, we have a grown man in the fetal position, stressed out over a tweet. I retweeted a fellow Republican, and he's in a heap on the floor. This is ridiculous. Well, Lake called this a non-issue there. Do you think Republican voters will feel that way on primary day? I don't. I, well, I don't know if this is going to make it all the way to the primary, but I do know this: that when this kind of stuff gets this ugly, it drives voters away. People do not want to be involved in the process when it's ugliness. And I do not know this Connor Clegg guy that did this, but I think it was absolutely a horrible thing to do. I would have defended Carrie Lake against it, Karen Taylor Robeson, Kimberly Yee, Steve Gaynor. It just happened to be Matt Salmon. I think when you say someone is okay and you use the word rape it is inflammatory it is a horrible thing to say and do and it distracts from the issues carrie lake's right we should be talking about issues but this becomes an issue and it did become an issue i think it's going to go away i don't think it lives forever it's going to have its moment it's had its moment but there are a lot of people talking about this and we'll see what the fallout is 
A controversial abortion law in Texas is allowed to stand. In two rulings, the U.S. Supreme Court refused to block Texas SB 8, which bans abortion after six weeks of pregnancy, but it allowed challenges to the law to proceed. The outcome leaves open the possibility the Supreme Court will be dealing with the law again, and the opinion said the court does not prejudge the possibility. Now, do you think this ruling today sheds any light on how the justices have or will rule on overturning Roe v. Wade? No, because we know oh, there are, you can never tell how the Supreme Court is going to rule on something that, an, that a lower court has done. Sometimes they rule with, sometimes against, and sometimes they say, we're not touching it. You Let's send it back to that court and leave it the way, way it is. I have no idea how they're going to rule. We do, we do know, I've always known, and I think most people know, that the topic of abortion has always been about when life begins. That's always been the argument. That's why the time frame was set by the justices originally in Roe v. Wade, because we talk about when a viable pregnancy, when life begins. So are we going to say now that technology is much better and medicine is much better, that life is sustainable much earlier? And that's part of what this has to do with, when does life begin? And that's the question for people that are pro-life and pro-choice, and we'll see how the courts wrestle with it. You are listening to Did You Hear This? Every day at this time to get you caught up on the headlines. What's next, Jeremy? Hospitals in Arizona are as full as they've ever been amid staffing shortages and the reemer- and a- another variant. And earlier today, the state's top pandemic advisor, Dr. Richard Carmona, told Arizona's Morning News they may have to take drastic action. One of the things we are discussing on a daily basis, what are the contingency plans as we move forward? You know, we may have to start thinking about not doing elective surgery. We may have to stop thinking about doing anything that's elective and only treat emergencies. Do you think... Based on that, at least some hospitals may consider rehiring but unvaccinated staff that aren't there anymore? You would think they would. You would think that at a time like this that you would need as many qualified people, all hands on deck, so to speak. And having people that you've laid off or let go doesn't seem to be conducive to giving quality medical care at a time when it's needed most. So as much as we are looking at a multifaceted approach to fixing this problem, one of those approaches should be making sure you have as many qualified people working as possible. So let's hope it leads that way. Actor Jesse Smollett found guilty on five of six felony counts of disorderly conduct after he falsely told police he was jumped by two masked men who hurled racist and anti-gay slurs at him and put a noose around his neck. In the middle of the night in Chicago a couple years ago. Well, guess uh, who Smollett's attorney is blaming for the guilty verdict? From the first day of this case, his case has been prejudged. His case has been tried in the media, uh, and it's unfortunate. Is this the media's fault? I mean, didn't some of the personalities defend him from the get-go? You look at some of the very prominent personalities, both politically, including the president and the vice president, who weren't president and vice president at the time, but they were a part of saying and defending Jussie Smollett. And there were members of the media that fell hook, line, and sinker for this lie. There's one person to blame for this lie, Jussie Smollett. Not the media, not anybody else, him. And I think he's going to pay a pretty heavy price. All right, we'll do it again on Monday. Um, it is called "Did You Hear This?" All right, I'm gonna. I, this is a this is a test. Just as a test for you, especially. Um, Michael Nesmith died. Who Who is that? Okay, Jeremy. I know the name. Can't remember who he is. Jeff, you are 100 percent right. I told you. Jeff, I told you. Jeff Jeff Munn said in my ear, there's only two people in the building this is going to mean anything to, and you are absolutely right. Michael Nesmith is singer-songwriter of The Monkees. 
Oh, I've heard of the monkeys. Oh, see? She's heard of the monkeys and not Michael Nesmith. The dream believer, right? Yep. Yes. So anyway, Michael Nesmith has passed away. For all of you out there, our age, like Jeff and I, the old guys in the building, that's a big. They were they were a huge band, had a television show, a big part of pop culture uh, back in our day. And it's sad time, you know. They were a great band. They were a lot of fun. And his mom invented liquid paper. Isn't that crazy? That he probably had. He made a lot of money. And yeah, she left him his her fortune when uh, after she invented liquid paper, and he was set for life. Yeah, he was set for life. So he's passed away at the age of seventy eight. For all of you out there that have any idea who Michael Nesmith is, I certainly did. So um, definitely, definitely sad. Coming up in a moment, we are going to revisit the border. Uh, interesting conversation this morning with Heston Silbert, and uh, we'll talk a little bit about what he had to say of what he's witnessed at the border and a very touching moment and how. It affected him. All that's coming up next. Strong values and strong opinions. The Mike Broomhead Show, KTAR News, 92.3 FM, and the KTAR News app. Hey, appreciate you being here. If you haven't subscribed to the podcast, please do it. It's the Mike Broomhead Show podcast. It's simple to do no matter what device you are using, what kind of device you're using, and you'll never miss a minute of the show again. It's the Mike Broomhead Show podcast brought to you this week by Carol Royce, Keller Williams Realty, East Valley. Get the most money selling your home for cash by going to highestprice.com. That's highestprice.com. Um, when you uh, when we look at the border issue, a lot of people see it as black and white, and there is a lot of gray. There, there is so many other avenues that are affected by what's happening. Um, to say, I, I, I want to give the people of Yuma, well, actually all around Arizona, but especially Yuma County, um, a lot of credit. It is a hot button issue. It's one that shouldn't happen. It is devastating communities. It is straining the 911 system. It is doing all of those things. But in spite of all of that, in spite of the politics of it, despite of feeling as if you're being ignored by the federal government, in spite of it taxing your 911 system, in spite of all of that happening, they still see the humanity at the border. When you've got 5,000 plus people, I don't even, maybe it's over 6,000 now with the number of people that have crossing into the Yuma sector, and there is not even close to enough personnel to handle the demand, and you've literally got people camping out along the border fence and along the road. When you see the humanity, when you see young children, when you see mothers and pregnant women, um, it is moving to see the plight. Um, There was a situation that happened last week at a press conference, and I have it up on social media, and it it, it was a a very touching – I think it was touching to me because I witnessed similar things when I was in McAllen, Texas years ago, and we had the unaccompanied minors crossing the border. You can't help but be touched by the innocence of these children, and what I mean is they have no idea of the political firestorm they are in the middle of. They have no idea about the international crisis that they are in the middle of. These are children, and they're pure at heart in, in many of the things that they do. I talked with Colonel Heston Silbert from uh, DPS, and Colonel Silbert was at this press conference while the uh, governor was speaking. He was in full uniform his DPS uniform, and he – I want you to hear his description of what happened because um, this little boy who was playing with his sister – and you'll hear a little of the description here um, – just spontaneously 
chose to walk up and hug the director? It was unexpected. I um, I had been watching, you know, there were several uh, migrant families along the wall on the U.S. side where that, that press conference was set up, and I was just standing in the back. I'd just been watching the little boy and his sister playing. You know, they're just little kids. You know, they're playing in the dirt. They can find anything to entertain themselves. They have no idea of the gravity of the situation or really the, the gravity of the journey they had they had walked. And uh, I don't know, out of the blue, I, in fact, in fact I'd, I'd watched his dad wash his hands, you know, with some water after he was playing in the dirt. And then um, all of a sudden, he kind of looked at the press conference, sort of curious, like, what's going on here? And he walked a little closer and a little closer. And I saw him, and he... He walked through everybody, and for some reason, he walked up to me. Uh, there were several people there, but he walked up to me, and he put out his hand and uh, and uh, gave me a hug. And it just yeah, it, it kind of rocked me a little bit. And um, it is it, it's that situation that I think everybody needs to keep their be mindful of of the humanity. And again, to the good people of Yuma County, um, they have a food bank there that that services the needs of the hungry people in Pima County, or I'm sorry, Yuma County. And they have been overstressed and people have been donating to try to fill that up. Um, blankets have been donated. The cartels are stealing the food from these people. What is happening is a human crisis, and there are many people that are in desperate situations that want to come into America. I appreciate all of that, but we cannot do it the way it's being done. And when we have organizations and we have leaders who do not differentiate between legal and illegal immigration, if you really want to fix the problem, what you should do is be working on the immigration system while you're securing the border. We should be sending a very clear message to the world. You are welcome here when you come the right way. If you come the wrong way, you will not be welcome here. That 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 is not a horrible message. That is not an angry message. That is not a mean message. That is an orderly message. And then what we should do as Americans is promise the world that we are going to work on a system that makes it easier for people that are coming from these places that truly want to be Americans to come here the right way. It is absolutely possible. The way it's being done now, and the vast majority of Americans agree with this, it's not a political thing, that you can, you should be able to come here, but you should come here in an orderly fashion. And, you know, we have politicians on and politically minded people that disagree and call it all kinds of names, but it is a very simple principle that, you know, for the people that have come here the right way, and I have friends from communist countries, from Eastern Bloc countries, from uh, South American countries, from Cuba, from uh, Mexico. I know so many immigrants from all over the world, and the common theme is the American dream, giving their children the opportunity that they wouldn't have otherwise had in the country where they were born. The Cuban family I've talked about uh, so many times because I'm so close with them. Um, I'm going to see them when I'm home in Florida to watch them in one generation live the American dream. Imagine a mother and a father with three very young children. They don't speak English, uh, but they want to get out of Cuba because it is just it is it's a communist country and they want out. So they come to America in the span of that generation. Now that they are older people, father retired, mom is a school teacher, learn the language. Make sure their children learn the language, speak Spanish in the house, speak English outside of the house. They became citizens at their very first opportunity. 
He goes to work and excels and becomes the head draftsman at a major drafting company drawing blueprints in in the town I grew up in. Puts his wife through college. She is a school teacher in the public school system. He's now retired. He volunteers as a police aide in town. They own their home. They own their cars. All of their children are citizens and all of their children have American born children. They watched the first generation in their family born as Americans. You tell me that that's not the American dream. You tell me that there aren't people out there listening to this that understand when we see those naturalization ceremonies, we love to hear these stories. Americans are giving people. We want more people to join us and live the American dream. What we can't have is clouding that story with the story of illegal immigration. Yes, the system needs to be made easier. Yes, we should be doing things to help people come here legally. I agree with that. But we cannot have the human crisis on the border we have now. It has to stop. It has to stop with border protection. It has to stop with walls and barriers. It has to stop with policy. And then we work on a system that fixes this so that more people can come here legally. And I don't know how anybody can argue with that principle. But somehow it is a huge political divide. We got one more segment before we close it out. There's so much we've learned this week and so many things I want to comment on. We're going to get to those coming up here in just a moment. Strong values and strong opinions. The Mike Broomhead Show. KTAR News, 92.3 FM and the KTAR News app. All right, the economic news that we've heard out there, inflation likely surged to a new record in the month of November. We'll be finding those numbers out here soon, probably talk about them on Monday. But the polling numbers and what's happening politically in the United States, the the uh, administration is blaming the media, of all things, the media, for the negative poll numbers for the president. But I don't think it's that at all. Um, what I love about the shift in American politics is this, um, with the advent of social media and the way that we're able to get news immediately and seek out information, we are not stuck listening to one source anymore, which I think is fantastic. Uh, does that mean that you're always going to get the truth? No, it doesn't. But it does mean if you're seeking the truth, you'll find it. It also means that the political diversity in America is alive and well. People do not feel bound to parties anymore. I will tell you that I am proudly registered as a Republican voter because I believe that's where the principles I would rather stay and try to fix issues than go out as an independent. But I do understand the reason why we have such huge growth in independent voters. It tells us two things. Number one, people are still immensely concerned about issues in the United States. They haven't abandoned the process. What they have abandoned is parties. They have abandoned both parties either because they don't believe the party any longer any longer stands for what they believe in or that they are a part of the same corrupt system, whatever it is. We are seeing independent voters. An independent voter is still someone that has their political leanings. There are many, many conservative independent voters. There are many, many liberal independent voters. But what they are saying is we are no longer going to vote along party lines because the party tells me to. We're going to listen to the issues. We're going to listen to the stance on the issues, and we're going to make decisions accordingly. 
And I think that's great for politics. I really do. I am adhering to what I believe in staying registered with the party I'm registered in, but I understand independent voters. And so uh, the administration, the public view of the handling of COVID and the economy take another hit in the Biden administration. This according to CNBC. Again, not a conservative um, network. The COVID approval numbers... His economic approval numbers sang, sank underwater, 37% approving, 56% disapproving, down from 40 approval and 54 in the second quarter. So it continues to fall. The COVID approval numbers are way down. Um, the, um, the approval rating among those who voted for him has dropped from 80% to 69% in the April survey. The reason why this is important is, again, that independence And that is when people make a decision and then they say, I don't know that I made the right decision and they're willing to say it. When you are – and I come from this world too, so uh, it includes me to a certain degree. When you are locked in with with a political party, then you defend that party. And what independents say is, listen, I looked at my options and I voted for Biden. I thought he was a better option. And for what I'm seeing in the first year in office – I don't think I made the right decision. That's an honest reaction to what's happening in America. It has nothing to do with the media creating. You know, I I can go down a list of narratives that I think the media created about Donald Trump. It doesn't do any good. Donald Trump's not the president anymore. And whether or not you believe the media is fair to Joe Biden, the results are what matter. People don't care what you say on the news. It's what they feel. You can go on the air right now and brag about gasoline being down seven cents a gallon like the White House has done. You could hear that from media outlets that protect the president all day long. But when somebody's pumping gas and it's still $3.65 or whatever it is a gallon, they don't want to hear seven cents cheaper. It was $2.50 a gallon not too long ago. When people are going to the grocery store and, you know, uh, I I remember it vividly. I know what it's like. I saw it. I witnessed it. I lived it. When you go to the grocery store with a limited amount of money and you've got to feed four people for a week on that money, whatever that money is for you, when prices go up, you make hard choices. And there are a lot of American families doing that again. There are people that make too little money, and so they get subsidized, and so they raise the amount of money they subsidize them in times of inflation. And there are wealthier people that it becomes a nuisance and a horrible inconvenience, but it doesn't change their shopping or their lifestyle. It's just something they complain about how expensive everything is. And then there is that largest group of people in the middle that make too much money for subsidies, but not enough money where it doesn't adversely affect them when it happens. And those are the people we always say that we're going to cater to in this country. And those are the people right now, because of the policies of this administration, whether you like them or not, are affecting them in this way. Gasoline, food, clothing, everything is costing more. Christmas is right around the corner. How are they going to afford Christmas for their kids? These are the real concerns of the American people. And if you're going to continue down the road where climate change is the driving force in every decision you make in your administration, you are going to adversely affect people. And they are going to react by saying you're not listening to us. It's that simple. And independent minded voters are the ones that are saying, I voted for this guy and I made a mistake. And if they don't start listening to that, it is going to be horrible in the midterm elections. They know it. 
are they going to react to it? If for no other reason than self-preservation and their political careers. We're out of time. If you're a social media user, I love to keep in touch, and I hope you will over the weekend. I am at Broomhead KTAR on Twitter, and I am at or I'm I'm at Mike Broomhead, all one word on Instagram. I'll be back on Monday. Have a great weekend, everyone. Until then, God bless.